Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my main man and co-host, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling good, Foltz. How about yourself? Feeling good. I feel great. You know, it's getting that, that time of year where we live. It's a little fall in the air. A little crisp. I like that time of year. I like the sweatshirts. I like the jeans. And, it, uh, it feels good when you're breathing that cold air. It is. It is. It, and it's refreshing to just go outside in this time of year. And a lot of, we have small kids, uh, so it's a lot of fun during this time of year. To it makes take. you want to go camping. It does make you want to go camping, which me and Steve have been talking a lot about lately. Um, we need to get out and unplug for a while and just talk about our topics <laughs> in, yeah, in the woods. And leave our phones in the car. Yeah, we definitely need to do that. Everybody needs a chance to separate from their devices and, and, and uh, you know, un, unconnect, I guess, is our, or disconnect. Right, make, a, make a campfire. Yeah, I mean, uh, some people might say, you guys live in Pennsylvania, isn't it going to be a little cold? It might be, but we've camped in colder, so. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so basically what we're doing is we just need to uh, – you know get out there and refresh our souls right uh, i mean a lot of heaviness over the last seven eight months and you know uh, working on the podcast even though it's a it's a joy to us it can be stressful at times being like well how are we going to make this connection and uh different things of that nature so just being under the stars having, yeah. having that campfire roar behind you and allowing nature to kind of suck the toxins of daily life out is perfect well i mean and there's there is a theory out there um called grounding which uh people say that human beings need to do from time to time is you take your shoes and your socks off and you just literally can go stand in the grass and you're connecting with the earth and you're connecting with the vibration and everything that the earth has to offer if if that is something that you choose to believe in. Um, <clears throat> again, well, it, just because we don't believe in something doesn't necessarily make it not true. But it also happens. Uh, the sea, the sea will call your name, and you feel as if you're drawn to the sand. You take your shoes and socks off, get your toes down in the sand, get into the ocean, and feel that tidal force, and it connects you again. Yeah, and it just again is it. it cleansing palate of the soul if you will and some people will say oh i'm a beach person or i like the or i'm more of the mountains i'm both actually i need both in my life um ideally i wish i could have a house that uh ocean front in the front yard and in the backyard had about a hundred acres of just wooded area and streams and such because that to me would be serenity that's what it would be to me to complete my soul for the lack of a better term on a day-to-day basis to be able to have the option of both. But <clears throat> having said that, if you listen to our one of our recent episodes on cloning that we did, where they're experimenting on uh, people cloning animals and humans, right, Steve? Right. We went down the rabbit hole for that one. We did a little bit on GMOs, um, and then we went into cloning and the procedures that you would go through, uh, Dolly the sheep and what they did with an actual clone. And, and it got Fultz and I talking, you know, after the show and since then, and, and probably during the show a little bit about you, you get a clone and you can make like the, the, the vessel, the physical, the meat suit. Yeah. The meat suit. Um, 
but you're not you're not going to be able to clone the inside or the soul right your soul or your consciousness or the energy within however you describe it if you would do a clone does that have a separate consciousness just because it's your meat suit or does it have a separate one or does it have a split one is it partly you or and if it is is it the good part of you and there's a bad part of you or is it like uh if you if you had a pill splitter and you spit split a pill down the middle it would be the same effect it would be the same uh half of dosage if you will so it'd be like a split personality of you and but would that be a good thing and that's what we're going to talk about tonight steve you have anything to add before we jump into that or it, well no it was a concept that was kind of bothering us because it, there is a lot to uh take in when you're talking about cloning because of the genetics and it, it you could make it very close genetically to having the same personality as someone or the same soul as someone but but then we took it a step further and did more research on the on the soul and found out that there is a, an actual splitting of the soul. I'm going to say the title. It's called a twin flame. Yep, twin flame, and uh, it's and and basically what twin flame is is what, when you reach a certain ascension spiritually in in what your human form after um, the soul lives on this right you know you have energy your, your cannot be destroyed suit. right you have your meat suit that you your vessel that you travel through this world and if you were able to gain a certain level of spirituality uh and join the light and the universal connection there is a thing that can happen when you're soul gets called upon to be on earth where it can split and go into two bodies right so what we're going to cover in full is twin flame and what the good and bad things about your consciousness or your soul splitting in two and going into uh somebody that you ultimately maybe find attractive now there is a difference between uh, the twin flame and, and soul flame. Um, so soulmate, everybody's familiar with that term. Like, oh, that's my soulmate. And it's just like, well, when you look into these two, they, they are really, really different. And uh, Steve, do you want to start us off? I sure do. So you've undoubtedly heard of the concept of a soulmate and perhaps even daydreamed about finding yours. Nevertheless, you may have dismissed the concept and you think that it's implausible or that it's a fantasy and you have a relationship that just merely feels comfortable. The reality is that not only do soulmates exist, but it is possible to form even deeper connections. Experts call these matches twin flames. While twin flame relationships still face hardships and do not always last forever, they represent an important chance for happiness and growth. So, what is what exactly is a twin flame? How do you know if you've encountered your mirror soul? In this episode, we're going to explain the nature of the twin flame, and we're going to outline the most common signs that you have this type of bond with someone in your life. So next, we'll explore the seven distinct twin flame stages that you're likely to experience in any twin flame relationship. Plus, consider what these stages will mean for you and your match. So we're going to go through this, and, and just think to yourself... 
while we're going over these, I I know that I could relate to them on a, on a lot of levels. Um, not only with uh, with my current uh, relationship, which is my wife, uh, there's there's a lot of connections. But um, when when reflecting back to my, when I was a younger man and different relationships that uh, I got out of for a certain reason, when doing this research, I can see now why I did. And uh, well, so just keep that in mind as, as as we're going over it. So let's see. Now sometimes. Discussed in terms of a mirror soul, twin flame is, is sometimes discussed as a mirror soul or a soul connection. A twin flame is the other half of your soul. It's theorized that a soul can split into two after ascending to a high frequency. Thereafter, the soul lands in two different bodies. That freaks me out, man. I've never heard of that. No. I mean, well, here's the thing. I mean... Well, no matter what you believe, well, if you believe that nothing happens after you die, you just you just become warm food, or you believe that your soul consciousness or your energy moves on to to another plane, and and religions throughout the world they all have their own view of what heaven is. But here's the thing: nobody really knows, so it could really be anything because nobody has gone. And then come back. I mean, there's been people because we've did a show on it uh, on NDEs, near death experiences, and people have uh, at, at what they claim has been uh, a glimpse at, at, at heaven or hell. But it's not like somebody that's been dead for like a year right. comes back and is like, well, this is what it's like. I mean, even down to, and I mean no disrespect at all, even the, the some of the biggest theologians, because they're called theologians because it's it's a theory. Right. So, and, and time... Is, is a human construct and it, it, it really just messes up a lot of stuff and it also messes up death um, someone that's been dead for a year they're going to be dead for eternity so correct one year is like one minute it, it's it's really not enough time you really need to find someone who's been dead for hundreds of years to find out what it's really like for a soul to be on that next level. Right. Like if you've ever had an experience that was either really, really fun or really, really intense, and maybe it only lasted between like eight and 10 minutes. And after that, you were, you would looked at the clock and were like, oh my gosh, I could have swore like an hour went by. It was that much fun. It was that intense. I mean, that's what it could be like. Right. Time just doesn't, time can, can be manipulated. Correct. So... All right, going on. So let's see. Where are we at? Okay, moving. If you have, so if you have a twin fl- twin flame, you are fated to meet this person at some point in your life journey. The two of you will be pulled together like magnets. You will know when you've connected with this person because you immediately experience a sense of recognition. Many people describe an uncanny sense of having known their twin flame all of their lives. When you encounter the person who carries the other half of your energy, it can create a profound and life-altering sense of wholeness. Your relationship will naturally be extremely intense because twin flames are mirrors of one another. This person will not only provide a sense of wholeness, they will also elevate your self-knowledge, including knowledge of your flaws. Consequently, there's a potential for conflict as well as happiness. Rest assured that it is possible to have a happy, healthy relationship with your twin flame. However, this is only possible if you can learn to love yourself as your twin flame is part of you. 
This love must be honest and unconditional. Otherwise, a part of you will always be driven to reject your twin flame, which is interesting because I was telling Stephen Pre-Show again uh, in my in another life when I was a younger man, uh, a couple of relationships that I was in, I thought to myself at a couple, a couple times, uh, I see myself in this person a lot and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing and ended up, you know, either cutting it off or, you know, the, the relationship would dissolve. But uh, do you really want yourself? I mean, that's why these things that we go over, it's, it's, it's important to grasp them because you need to know whether to stay or go. This part of the show, this part of the, the information is, is so crucial. Um, imagine not having, and this is you know me up until very recently, not having any knowledge of a, of a twin flame or the twin flame concept and meeting your twin flame. Um, even if it's like uh, a best friend, you know, and or, or someone from the same sex, like if your soul gets split and it's a buddy of yours and it's just you find somebody that is mere sold that to you that has got to be the oddest feeling because you're like wait a minute the deeper i go here the more i find out that you're more like me it's just it would be a weird rabbit hole to go down it would be weird but at the same time it can be intoxicating i'm sure because you're being drawn towards yourself but at the same time it's like is it the bad part of myself or not, not to say that this person has all of your bad energy, but they have the same energy as you and you're seeing the flaw, which again, like we covered, you need to recognize and love yourself unconditionally, or you'll never be able to do that with your twin flame, which I think what you know, when I were, when I think about my wife, I think about her more as my soulmate versus my twin flame because we didn't have the, the conflict that we're going to discuss in here. And I don't want to go into too much detail and get ahead of ourselves. But when I look at the, the definition of, of soulmate and uh, which we're not going to do that because we're concentrating on, on this topic, I think personally, and I don't know how Steve feels, but my wife to me is a soulmate versus the toxicity that can come along with being in a relationship with a twin flame. I concur, and I think it was out of design. I don't necessarily think. Well, well, first of all, I don't think people go out there looking for their twin flame. Um, but I do think that the if there is a twin flame, those those people would probably have contact in life. Somehow they would be drawn to each other. Yeah, because like attracts like, and in, in your in your energy, your soul would be like a overpowered magnet right to that other soul that other part of the soul but i think uh by design um when my wife and i met we realized that we we weren't you know totally opposite to the point where we couldn't find middle ground but that we were differing enough to be interesting to each other yeah and that's exactly how me and my wife are you know uh, to look at what we like to do separate uh as far as extracurricular activities, 
people would say, well, you guys are polar opposites, which is not a bad thing because, again, do you really want to be, you know, if you're a fan of Seinfeld, worlds colliding for a different term. And me and my wife talk about that. That's nothing I would say behind her back. It's just like, and she would, she has no interest in some of the things I do. So, so sometimes, jokingly, I like to say, don't find somebody who likes or loves the same thing. Find somebody who dislikes the same things. That way you, you have something in common that you could be like, okay, yeah, we definitely don't like that. All right, I'm going to go check this out over here. You have your time and vice versa. Right, and find somebody that has the same level of passion for the things that they like as as the things that you like. Correct. You don't want to have somebody who, you know, is a complete fanatic uh, to the umpteenth degree about something, and then another person who's more bland and kind of like, eh, you know, I'll take this, I'll leave that, and like just kind of coasting through life. That's not going to work. Right. And I, well, I agree with that totally. And before we get in this next section, um, I just want to say, uh, ah, no, I'll save it for, I'm going to save it for later in the, in, the, in the episode. All right. Go for it, Steve. If you're ready. If you're not, I can go. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, most common twin flame symptoms. Now, while the above summary of the twin flame will help you get a general sense of what to look at for, there are also more specific indicators that you may encounter with the other half. The most common twin flame signs are as followed. Intuitively knowing what the other person is doing, feeling, or thinking about. Plus, you find that they can detect the same things about you. Now, sharing many of the same interests, values, hobbies, and preferences. For example, your twin front, your, geez, tongue-tied today. Your twin flame probably has a lot of books in your favorite genre. Similarly, you likely gravitate towards the same food as well. Fultz, can we go back to that first one for a second? Sure. Intuitively knowing what the other person is doing, feeling, or thinking about is not my strong suit. Um... And I have a great relationship and I love my wife, but there is a lot of times that I intuitively do not know what she is feeling. Well, well, I mean, and that's, and that's okay because it doesn't have to be all those things for a connection. Now, sometimes I do. And my wife always calls them sympathy pains. Like she, uh, when she used to come home from work, she would always be like, Oh gosh, I had the worst pain in my stomach today. And it was because of X, Y, and Z. And I'd be like, you know what I did too. And I had no one, I couldn't figure out why. And she'd always be like, Oh, well you have sympathy pains for me. So type of connection there between soulmates, I would say. I always tell my wife, if you want me to know what you're feeling, you're going to have to tell me because I, I can't tell. Well, that's just a uh, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. It's just like, you got to say it in real simple words, right? If you want something or if you want me to do something, please just tell me what it is and then I'll do it. Right. But if not, and you're just standing here looking at me, it's never going to, it's never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's not a game show. <laughs> We're not on jeopardy. Here. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Let's see what, uh, so often having the same thoughts or emotions at the same time, even if you're in different places, when you're together in person, this may result in you saying the same thing at almost the exact same moment. Feeling a strong physical pull to touch and be close, whether in a romantic or platonic setting. Having the same dreams at night and frequently appearing in each other's dreams. Sometimes your dreams will only overlap in theme, but the core message and feeling will be similar. Now, 
feeling like you can easily communicate without speaking out loud. A simple glance will often be enough to tell you uh, what your twin flame thinks about what's going on around you. And I like to think with when I knew that I had a comfortable relationship with my wife was it was not the things that were being said. It were the things that weren't because there's either comfortable silence or uncomfortable silence. And when it's comfortable silence, you're just content to just be with that person. If you're sitting there and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't, we should, what we should be talking about this, that, and the other. you're forcing, that's a forced relation. You should just be able to be like, all right, cool. We're just hanging out. Like if you're out to dinner and there's just nothing to really say, it'll just keep eating your food. Right, when you're talking, you're talking, and when you're not, you're not. Yeah, and if you're both cool with that, well, then, then cool. It should never be a a fight to be, what should we discuss? Because that's just going to turn into discussion about nothing. You know what, though? I find that um, when sometimes life will get pick up pace, you won't have time to express or decompress with your significant other. And if that happens for a few days in a row, maybe – by that fifth or sixth or seventh, you get a week, a week into that and you're looking over at them. You have so much to say, but you really can't get it all out into words. Or yeah. You don't know where to start. So you just kind of just sit there and look at them for a while. Yeah. And then you, you, at, you can decompress with someone to the time where you can get back to that, what you were just explaining about the comfortableness of either talking or not. But sometimes it, it can take a day or two to get back to that level. Oh, it certainly can without question. Let's see. Where are okay? Feeling okay. We did that. Understanding complex or hidden parts of each other. Now this can be uncomfortable and confronting, but it can also be deeply liberating and validating. I have no hidden parts. We know. <laughs> sharing sharing some of the same vulnerabilities and weaknesses. You may see some of your old faults in your twin flame, or have some of your present difficulties highlighted by the way this person behaves. And bingo that. When I read that, that was like a light bulb that went off for me with past relationships. I was just like, oh. And then, you know, after self-reflection, it was like, oh, it was me that I didn't like in these people. And I didn't want any more of me. And you found yourself away. Yeah. I was like, I need to go be away with me. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling like it's safe and natural to be your authentic self around this person. For example, even if you're normally shy, a twin flame will quickly make you feel comfortable enough to just be you. And and, and that makes, again, that makes me think of my wife because when I first met her, she was super conservative and super shy and didn't talk a whole lot. And, you know, she, I feel when we're together, she's her true self and me too. I mean, there's, there's, there's no, I mean, you live with someone long enough, you can't hide yourself. So it's good that people accept it. Right. All right, Steve. So meeting a twin flame is a special life altering moment. However, it's only the beginning of what's in store for both of you. Encountering one another kickstarts a dynamic part of your life. One that will facilitate growth, inspire change, and challenge you to fully accept yourself. Think of encountering your twin flame as the first step on a journey. So right now, Fultz and I are going to explore each of the twin flame stages in turn and look at the connection between twin flame symptoms and each of these crucial stages. Some are primarily associated with wonderful experiences, while others can be emotionally arduous. But all of them are necessary parts of encountering the other half of yourself. There are seven major twin flame steps of the process. 
Nonetheless, be aware that you may go through them at a slow or faster rate than other people will. It's so interesting. Like that part there, it, it, it makes me think of, uh, you know, well, what people in religious circles will say uh, on Judgment Day, it's just going to be you standing there. So you just have to deal with it. You, you, you're on your own. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's so intriguing. And I have to say, going into this next part, and of course, feel free to add uh, before we do, but going into this next part, if you find yourself in, in a relationship now and you're like, well, gosh, why isn't it working? We're, we're compatible. We both care for each other and this and that. These next like seven stages, I mean, even to me as, as a married man was like, wow, it's really enlightening to see, okay, well, maybe that's it. So hopefully we can shed a little bit of light uh, and energy into your positive energy into your life by maybe just shedding a little bit of light and good energy. Right. These, I mean, if, if you're maybe listening to our podcast on a, on a car ride, um, practice, practice these. There's these kind of things are intuitive. Everybody kind of knows them, but you maybe gloss over that part of your life and forget about it. So bring this to the forefront of your mind. All right. So we'll tag team these and uh, we'll discuss them as we, as we break down each one. Now, the first one is what we call the search. The search stage involves a strong sense of yearning and an acute awareness that something is lacking in your life. Even if you've never really thought about soulmates and twin flames before, this is a stage at which you begin to believe that there really is a perfect match out there for you. In all likelihood, you'll doubt this feeling at first. You may feel unsure about what you should do with it, but at the deepest level, you'll find it impossible to shake the conviction that you'll meet the one. So, I mean, if you, if this seems to be a common occurrence about, uh, uh, I would say more so on the female spectrum, uh, they tend to think that, or, or they say their biological clock is ticking, or I have to be married by the time I'm age 30. I've heard that so many times, and it's just, I, I mean, but teach his own, but so if you're, yeah, if you think you're getting up in years and it's like, oh, I'm never going to meet somebody, and then you just get this over, overwhelming sense of maybe peace, if you will, that, you know what? Maybe there is somebody out there for me. But then your old life and your old brain trying to protect you is like, well, no, there's probably not. So there's conflict going on. So then this is where the search begins. Is there or isn't there? It's true. It's kind of a, a battle in your mind. I'll throw in one little additional part. The search stage is also partly about preparing your life for the incoming arrival of your twin flame, even though you may not know why you're doing this. For example, you may start a journal engage in therapy, or work to find closure after past relationships. On an unconscious level, you know that all these things are necessary if you are to welcome your twin flame. So what Fultz is saying in that search and you're not sure and time is going by and you, you're feeling some pressure, while you're doing that, you should be doing the things that we just talked about to prepare yourself to receive a relationship. Correct. Well, Steve, you're on a roll. Take us through uh, the number two. The awakening. I love it. We, we, we always say the word awoke with this podcast. This is a different type of awakening. As noted above in the discussion of soulmate signs, you tend to just know when you've encountered your twin flame. This second awakening stage is where you physically meet and the awareness of your, com your 
Compatibil- compatibility. Compatibility. <laughs> Subtle Beast is having a tough day. It must be something in the air. It's the big words. Hits you on the head. This will often be a chance encounter that is full of coincidence and little signs that your meeting was destined to take place. Sometimes you won't be together very long, but even brief contact is enough to make you aware that the something special is happening. It's also worth noting that awakening can take place in a dream, meaning that you meet your twin flame in the dreamscape before you ever cross paths in real life. Regardless of how you meet, you will be shaken by the intensity of the bond you feel. You may feel intoxicated by it and find that all of your awakening moments are occupied by thoughts of this person. Yeah, I mean, and the awakening, pardon me for a second. <clears throat> The awakening is a is a crucial part because we didn't add this into uh, into our notes, but it's just something that I'm going to add uh, because energy or souls or consciousness they don't recognize human life marriage per se. So you could be a married person and then you could encounter your twin flame, and you know what. It, 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 it's, it could lead you down a bad road because like Steve was saying in the awakening can be intoxicating because you're seeing yourself. Yourself is attracting you. It's almost like a magnet, but uh, you know, you're a married woman, you're a married man. You can, you can't do that. But at the same time, is it too intoxicating to resist? Sometimes the things that are the hardest to resist are going to have the, the, the harshest consequences. So always be, always be aware of your situation and who you're around or who you're, meeting and and you may find this intoxicating connection to this person um and even if you're in a relationship you you find this this person they're they're intoxicating they're just you know but then the more that you get to know them you realize that it's kind of like a too much of yourself and that you're totally you're not interested in in pursuing that anyway um not all twin flames need to be together i mean but it, it could be a temptation uh, at the beginning, for sure, during the awakening. And, and the awakening in the dreamscape, really, I love dreams. We've, we've talked about dreams so many times. Did a whole show on it. Right. Um, to meet your, your, uh, your shared spirit in a dream, your twin flame in a dreamscape is just really unique and special. Yeah, it, it it would be crazy. I I jokingly say to my family when we come home from places sometimes, and uh, I'm putting the key in the door, and I knock on the door before I do it, and then I always say, "What if we answered the door?" My wife's like, "I hate when you say that stuff." It's like it's so creepy. <laughs> so, but uh, all right, I'm going to move on to uh, number three, which is the test. Now, the test stage of a twin flame experience is defined by trying to understand your relationship with this other person. It's all about establishing boundaries, testing your limitations, and moving past the purely blissful experiences of initially falling in love. This stage will only occur once you've had enough time to enjoy a quote-unquote honeymoon phase. Plus, this stage is crucial if you're going to have a more meaningful, long-term relationship. Now, for example, it is at this point that you will negotiate what your future will look like and will begin to notice what may constitute as obstacles to that future, which I, I tend to think is like, oh, well, one of the person carries uh, a lot of debt or one of the, one of the people um, already has children and the, and the person... The other person never wanted to have children. Those are going to be huge boundaries. Like, like earthly 
like earth, not spiritual obstacles, but like earthly yeah. obstacles. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, we are earthly beings, and and they are going to be big time, especially debt bringing into into a union. Now, although you're destined to know and love each other, you will still engage in conflicts in the same way that before you met your twin flame, you engaged in conflicts with other people. Now, whether and how you resolve these conflicts will define whether you'll be able to stay together. Very true. Very true. Yeah, the test is an important stage. You need to find your boundaries. You, you need to find your boundaries with yourself first and then when you involve yourself with someone else you need to create boundaries together i i I tell people that very often um uh i'm involved in a lot of different uh public forums if you will at this point um just because of what's going on in the world and i tell people all the time when you're dealing with the public or you're dealing with other teams you always have to set your boundaries that has to be the first and foremost and because that's your guide once you set your boundaries if someone crosses that you separate yourself from them because they're no longer good. They can't be trusted. Right. So that's how I feel about it anyway. I think boundaries are very important, and I think people with strong boundaries end up going further in life. Agreed. So stage four is the crisis. While twin flame love can be euphoric, it is also inevitably involves a crisis stage. While this often unpleasant the good news is that it can also be a catalyst to a deeper and more stable bond in the longer term. This stage involves significant anxiety and worries about your bond with your twin flame. And the crisis can be just about anything. It may be related to grief, betrayal, struggles with self-love, or any number of other things that put pressure on your connection with your twin flame. In spite of the supernatural compatibility of twin flames, this is often a point at which the two people decide to separate. A process that is extra painful given that it involves giving up a part of yourself. However, if you can get through the next stage, then you will emerge stronger than ever before. What's interesting is that they say... um it's ex- ex- uh, they we said in our in our in our notes that extra painful given that it involves giving up a part of yourself, which on it, it's also the flip side too. You're also running from a part of yourself that you don't uh, that you don't necessarily like or you want to address or correct, and that's where the, uh, where Steve said at the beginning of this of this um, stage, if you will. Uh, what, what, what did it say that uh, what was the beginning part of it let me see it was the self-love part oh yes about self-love I mean and if you don't have that then you can't be compatible with any with anything else right and that goes I mean we're talking about twin flames specifically and one soul split into two bodies but that goes for any relationship at all if you're if you're having trouble with yourself and you don't correct that you're relationship is going to suffer because there's no way that your significant other is going to correct that for you right and uh I, it just came back to me what i was going to say was the uh the back and forth the, the the pain of giving up the part of yourself that you love plus the going away from the part that you don't like steve was saying at the beginning that uh, it, it creates anxiety and worries well that's where it comes from is the conflict do i stay with the part that i love or do i do i run from the part that i don't well the only way to do that is to is to to weigh them out does the good outweigh the bad or vice versa wow yeah 
So, all right. So number five, the running or chasing stage. Now, no, no matter what form the crisis stage takes, it is always followed by a running or chasing stage. You may be in either role, and you and your twin flame may switch back and forward between the two roles. This stage revolves around one twin flame distancing themselves, often out of fear of confronting the level of intimacy that the two of you are compatible that, that you are compatible experience. The twin in this role will be in pain and will feel very defensive and resistant. Meanwhile, the other twin flame will give chase, believing that the bond is worth fighting for and working on. This stage can only end up when the running twin stops trying to get away and the chasing twin stops trying to push. Often the end of the stage is characterized by both twin flames realizing that there are forces at work beyond their control. And, and sometimes that running and chasing stage, the roles will reverse. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's what we were saying that they do reverse. And honestly, that, that it can be exhausting. Yes, it can. I mean, and, 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 and that's why we ended it with basically saying that the end stage is character, characterized by both twin flames, realizing that there are forces that work beyond their control. That doesn't necessarily mean good, bad, or indifferent. It's just, you get to a point, what do we do? And that's why it's the running and chasing stage. And Steve's going to go into, unless you have something to add. Well, I mean, the running and chasing stage, it, it is very important because say there is a, a, a conflict and there is a split that comes down through the middle and you find a little distance, uh, you, may be at, you may be naturally thinking of not, not chasing until you, until you get into that situation and then all of a sudden the realism of not being around that person hits you and you run you run for them like you've never run before right and i agree and and i, I tr i'm a true believer that fear is the only emotion that changes human actions now people will say well, well that's not necessarily true you'll do anything for love will you or will you do it because you're fearful that you'll lose that love so i better do these things i better change to be this way it's good thank you it's a yeah it's it's a it's a circular thought there i love this person i'm going to chase after them i love them so much that i'm going to chase them or am i so scared that i'm going to lose them that i'm going to chase after them mm -hmm. it's a good concept Okay, so the surrender, Steve. The surrender. This is the sixth stage, and it is the surrender stage. Both of you will start to give up on a previous need to control your relationship. In this context, surrendering isn't about giving up on your connection, but rather about accepting that neither of you can escape from destiny. This can be a positive realization that releases you both from past anxieties and allows you to better live in the moment, trusting that the universe will lead you to where you need to go. Do note that it's only possible to progress through the surrender stage if both of you work on the issues that led to the crisis and the running and chasing stages. For many people, the core issues here relates to the fact that twin flames are mirrors. So often, the things you will need to work through are the negative feelings you have about yourself, which are reflected back to you in the eyes of your twin. It's like uh, when people get 
really upset with 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 other people and they I, I tend to say when people are yelling in anger that they're just projecting they're basically saying what they think about you but it's truly what what they would do i i, I feel that if you don't have a a, a strong relationship a, a strong marriage that and you know in, in not all cases but if if your spouse is constantly accusing you of cheating and you, and you, and you really aren't i i tend to think what well, maybe within them that's something that they're afraid that that they could be tempted by or capable of yeah or capable of and they're projecting onto you to make sure that you don't go through that because and if you're with your twin flame and you know that well there comes more fear and anxiety because you know you're tempted by it so why wouldn't they be so that's where it's core during the, the the running and chasing stage to 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 be confronting on your level of intimacy so you can figure out do we stay or should I stay or should I go? I love it. I love it. Uh, you're right. The, that running and chasing stage and the conflict stage are very important. The surrender stage is uh, some next level or upper level relationship stuff. And I think as you get to a um, more mature part of a marriage or you know, possibly just a long, a long relationship that you and your significant other are able to surrender to the flow of the universe and it takes you to places together without without you two doing the, the running and chasing. You, you're just kind of being one and right. being taken through this this area of the universe together. So I think And the surrender too could be things that kind of annoyed you or that you wish that this other person wouldn't do becomes a little idiosyncrasy that you really couldn't live without. It's just like, because you start to think, oh my gosh, if, if he was here or she was here, he would be saying this. Right. I don't like that he says it, but he says it all the time. And but you miss but you miss it when it's gone. Right, yeah. So it, it's, it's very key. So we're going to be stepping into the seventh stage called the reunion and joining. Now, when you and your twin flame move on to the reunion stage, you'll have a sense of relief at the fact that the balance is being restored. In going through the previous challenging stages, you'll have learned a lot about yourself and about the potential attached to the unique kind of love you have found. For some twin flames, this reunion can be physical in nature. For example, the two of you may finally come back to the same space, agreeing to share a home, or finally physically consummating your bond. Now, irrespective of the particular form the reunion takes, it carries with it a sense of peace, acceptance, and reciprocity and understanding. If you can weather the more tumultuous parts of your journey, twin flame energy inevitably leads both parties to this joining stage. After the reunion, the hard work is over. All you need to do now is live, enjoying the sense of completeness that can only be found in each other's uh, companionship. So... You know, the on our the the very first time I took well, my current my current wife my only wife when the very first time I took my wife out on a date, um, I had uh, like I said I had been in these relationships prior that were just gross and disgusting and, and and funny enough so had she, and we were both sitting there basically telling each other all the things that we're looking for in the next relationship basically screening each other just being like let's not waste our time and i was saying things like look uh i don't 
I don't need another mother. I don't like asking permission to do things. If I want to make plans, I'm going to make them. Now, that's not to say that I don't check to see, hey, do we have any plans on a certain day? Now, if I know that we don't, it's not something I ask permission to do. And it's just something that I saw growing up in my family with my mom and dad. They just never really, they loved each other and, and they bothered with each other, but they didn't stop each other from doing what they wanted to do. And that was just something that was attractive to me. And I laid that on the table on the first date. It was it's been accepted to this day on both sides. I think it's important to have that um, initial, and, and I had it, and we, and I've recently discussed it with my wife that that first interview. Um, it it went really well, right? And uh, I think it's important to lay all of that out. But one thing that I want to say is, uh, when it comes to spirituality and and talking about your soul, like Foltz and I are today. Uh, it, it's so important. Uh, what do you call it? The meat sack? The meat suit. The meat suit. Okay. So it's so important to understand that you're taking care of your body while you're here and your earthly being, but you need to take care of your soul and your spirit as well. And a lot of times when Fultz and I get together and we look up at the sky and we talk about whether or not we're alone or what it would be like to encounter another type of being a lot of it is um spiritual a lot of it is about traveling the universe without your meat suit correct yeah i like to think of it as people always say well why haven't aliens come down and landed right on the uh the white house lawn well <clears throat> it could be as extreme as and i'm t- and i'm taking this phrase from uh from the movie mothman well have you ever tried explaining yourself to a cockroach? I mean, they could be that advanced that the things they're saying were just like looking at it just like like a cockroach would be like, oh, God, and just trying to get away from it. Like you couldn't go down a cockroach and be like, look, don't go in the cupboard and eat the stuff that's in there because <laughs> it would just scurry away. And But that that could be why. Or, or maybe they don't even take on a physical form. Maybe they're not from some planet. They're from some dimension or some parallel universe. They're just interdimensional beings. And then what? You're looking at light? I mean. Right. You're, well, you're having. Energy. Right. You're having a, a meeting in a different form of consciousness. So they may come down, little green men from Mars in their meat suits and meet our meat suits, but I think it would be more plausible to think that we would be able to connect on a, on a higher or a spiritual or soul level. So when we talk about this kind of stuff, I think that it's, it's important for everyone to take care of themselves inside and out. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And there is no right or wrong way. If there's, if there's something that you enjoy and that replenishes your soul, don't anybody be, uh, be the judge and jury on you and ever discourage you from doing what wouldn't like if religion's what does it for you great don't let anybody discourage you if being an atheist is what does it for you great don't let anybody discourage you just do you and refresh yourself and keep your body and soul and mind healthy feed your soul yeah feed it with nutrition so make sure that uh again with the intoxicating uh lures out there if you will you know, keep your keep your mind sharp and uh, and your heart even sharper because uh, it can lead you down some uh, some uh, slippery slopes. So uh, we never want to see that happen. We just want to encourage and we just want everybody to take care of themselves and take care of their souls. So, so or your energy, or your consciousness, whichever you have. 
So, Steve, you have anything else you'd like to add? I definitely want to thank the audience. I'm having so much fun on this show, and thank you for listening, and thank you, Foltz. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Steve. This has been a great. Steve and I have now been doing this for, what, four years? I think we've, we've put out over 100 episodes, so it's definitely been a, a blessing to be doing this podcast and for it to have lasted this long. So, uh, And uh, it's just getting better and better. It, we're getting more creative, and we got a lot of good stuff coming up because uh, – but uh, me and Steve got to make some plans to get in the woods because uh, we need to refresh our bodies. And uh, our souls, yes. <laughs> so, um, well, I guess I'm just going to leave it on that. So until next time, I'm Folds. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye. <laughs>